0: It's the 365 Days of Astronomy podcast. Coming in 3, 2, 1. Good news, everyone. There's a magnetic force field surrounding the Earth and protecting it from harmful radiation from space. Deadly solar radiation streaming from the sun and cosmic rays coming from other stars are stopped dead in their tracks by this protective magnetosphere. But also bad news. This force field is a swirling donut-shaped field of deadly, deadly radiation. Any astronauts wanting to go to deep space will need to pass through this region and take an increased dose of radiation. I'm talking, of course, about the Earth's Van Allen belts. Now The Van Allen belts are two donut-shaped regions of high-energy particles captured by the Earth's magnetosphere. They got their name thanks to their discoverer, James Van Allen. In fact, until the space age, we had no idea these regions existed. The first U.S. satellite, Explorer 1, was sent into orbit on January 31, 1958, followed by Explorer 3 just two months later. They had a series of experiments on board, including micrometeorite and cosmic ray detectors. And their job was to find out what we might be getting ourselves into as we head outside the Earth's atmosphere. As the explorers completed multiple orbits around the Earth, James Van Allen and his team from the University of Iowa were able to build up a map of the dangerous particles surrounding the Earth. They found the first Van Allen Belt. Containing high energy protons starting about 600 kilometers above the Earth's surface. These particles are in the 10 to 100 mega electron volt range and can easily zip through spacecraft hulls and fragile flesh. Both people and spacecraft can receive a deadly dose of radiation in this region, and that's why the Space Shuttle and the International Space Station fly much closer to Earth at an altitude of about 400 kilometers, well below. The Van Allen Belts, where we can enjoy their protection and other their dark side. Following on the discovery of the first Van Allen Belt, two more spacecraft were developed to probe the region and find out how far they extend. Pioneer 3 and Explorer 4 were launched in 1958 with more experiments designed by Van Allen and his team. They found that the Van Allen Belts ended about 6,000 kilometers above the Earth. But then, they uncovered a second, even larger radiation belt which starts about 10,000 kilometers above Earth and extends out to 65,000 kilometers. The particles in this second belt are less energetic protons as well as electrons and various ions ranging in energy from 10 kiloelectron volts to 10 mega electron volts. Less dangerous, but a much larger region, usually. The problem is that while the inner belt is largely stable, the outer belt is highly variable, shifting in size and concentration. The strength of the outer belt changes in response to geomagnetic storms driven by the Sun. During solar storms, huge numbers of charged particles are captured by the belt, and the particles themselves are much more energetic, with 10 times as much energy. Although there is a connection between solar storms and the size and shape of the Van Allen belts, this relationship is still hard to understand. You would expect the belts to respond in the same way whenever there's a solar storm, like a tree blowing in a windstorm. And there is a connection, but it's unpredictable. Sometimes the Van Allen belts increase in strength, or decrease, or just remain the same during a solar storm, and it's this unpredictability that makes them a unique hazard to spaceflight and satellite operations. Since the Van Allen Belts are such a dangerous hazard for the future of spaceflight, NASA has decided to study them further. In 2012, the agency launched the Van Allen Probe's mission into orbit around the Earth. This consists of two satellites flying in formation through the Van Allen Belts, ranging in altitude from 500 kilometers at their closest point to the Earth out to 30,600 kilometers. This gives them a chance to fly through every portion of the Van Allen belts. And the key is that it's two identical spacecraft that follow the same trajectory around the Earth. Each one is constantly measuring the strength of the belt as well as the types of particles. By having two, it's possible to rule out any individual interactions with a spacecraft. It turns out, the total number of Van Allen belts we have isn't fixed. In 2013, the Van Allen Probes discovered that a third belt formed briefly and then decayed again over the course of four weeks. One of the most fascinating discoveries in the last few years is how human activity interacts with the Van Allen Belts. In 2017, scientists reported an unexpected result. Low frequency radio signals from Earth seemed to push back against the Van Allen Belts, creating an artificial bubble around the planet. These very low frequency signals, or VLF, are used by many different communication systems here on Earth. One method, for example, is how ground stations can communicate with submarines deep under the ocean. Although the signals are designed for communication on Earth, they go out into space too. And researchers have found that in modern times, the Van Allen belts are further from the Earth than they were back in the 1960s when they were first discovered. And humans didn't make as many VLF transmissions. One of the most intriguing possibilities is that this might give us a way to change the Van Allen Belts. New experiments are planned to broadcast VLF signals directly into the belts to see if they can be changed or decreased, especially during periods of high solar activity that could cause damage to satellites and human missions trying to pass through the Van Allen Belts. Now, I know what you're wondering. How do we deal with it? How do the Apollo missions handle the Van Allen Belts? We'll talk about that in a second, but first I'd like to thank Chris Sen, Steve Govia, Jeff Murray, and the rest of our 765 patrons for their generous support. If you love what we're doing and you want to get in on the action, head over to patreon.com slash universe today. There's electromagnetic radiation like infrared, visible light, X-rays, gamma rays, etc some are harmless to us, while others can cause damage and even increase our risk of cancer. And the Earth's atmosphere protects us from the most dangerous kinds while allowing visible light and heat to enter. And then there's particle radiation, mostly alpha particles and beta particles. And most come from the sun, but others come from other stars and even supernovae. As these particles pass through our bodies, they free electrons from atoms or molecules causing damage to our tissue. And these are the particles that are caught up by the Earth's Van Allen belts. When NASA first considered sending humans beyond low Earth orbit, they knew it would mean exposing them to the increased radiation of the Van Allen belts. But the question was, how much? And how could they reduce it? In short, NASA decided to send the Apollo astronauts on a trajectory that largely avoided as much of the Van Allen belts as possible, going up above the belts, where the radiation dose was lowest. In addition, astronauts spent very little time in the region doing a high velocity burn out of the Earth orbit into a lunar trajectory. The same with the return trajectory. They passed below the belts at high velocity, minimizing the exposure. Furthermore, the astronauts themselves were protected within the Apollo command module, which had a multi-layer composite of materials sandwiched together. These blocked many of the particles from reaching the astronauts. Finally, the missions depended on luck. For all the Apollo missions, there wasn't much solar activity, and much of a radiation exposure to the astronauts. But if a killer solar storm passed through, it could have delivered a lethal dose. Each of the Apollo astronauts wore a radiation dosometer for the duration of their mission. On average, the astronauts received less than half a rad of radiation with the crew of Apollo 14 receiving 1.14 rads of damage. they planned the mission, NASA had targeted a maximum exposure of 400 rads to the skin and 50 rads to the blood-forming organs. By choosing the right trajectory, putting up shielding, and hoping for good space weather, NASA sent astronauts to the moon and home again with a minimal radiation exposure. That said, the Van Allen probes are showing us how variable and chaotic these belts can truly be. What should be a safe journey can sometimes be deadly, so we really need to learn more about the relationship between the sun's activity and the intensity of the Van Allen belts. Once this relationship is better understood, I can imagine future missions waiting for the good space weather conditions before making the journey through the Van Allen belts. What do you think? Would you be willing to pass through the Van Allen belts and expose yourself to more radiation for an opportunity to travel to the moon or onto to Mars? Thank you so much. Bye. You are listening to the 365 Days of Astronomy podcast. The 365 Days of Astronomy podcast is produced by the Planetary Science Institute. Audio post production by Richard Drum. Bandwidth donated by Libsyn.com and Wizard Media. You may reproduce and distribute this audio for non-commercial purposes. This show is made possible thanks to the generous donations of people like you. Please consider supporting our show on Patreon.com forward slash 365 Days of Astronomy and get access to bonus content. After ten years, the three. 365 Days of Astronomy podcast is entering its second decade of sharing important milestones in space exploration and astronomy discoveries. Join us and share your story. Until tomorrow, goodbye.